Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse Eight. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse Eight and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> I, I just. How'd you like that? Uh, I'm thinking of beginning every podcast with that now. It was almost Krusty the Clown ass. That was my goal. Did oh. I miss my goal? No, was... I missed my goal. You didn't understand. It was. I, I should have put a little more. Hey, 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 hey. That's. Yeah. Wait, no, that's way too close to Fat Albert. <laughs> yeah. And we do not want that. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Fuse 8 and Kate. I am your host, Betsy Bird. And I am Kate. I wrote a poem. About about, about, our, about our show. It's not even April, Poetry Month, and you... About our show? Yeah. Like a, like a summer. There once were two sisters from Nantucket, and... Okay, all right, all right. I'm... I'm, I'm Betsy, go! Betsy has a blog named Fusey, and I am her sister named Kate. What's a classic children's book? We decided to look and see which of them are great. Mufaro's morals were hard to gauge, and Rainbow Fish makes, fills Betsy with rage. Our mother's no buffoon, caterpillars don't make cocoons, and I'm just drawn to the last page. Nice. Ta-da! It's not I a rap. I called that it was a limerick! I'm yeah. feeling kind of good about that. It's not a rap. I like the rap better. So. Yeah, that's okay. You know that once uh, we had a karaoke night in New York City, and Philip Godeker, who does the limericks for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, showed up? And it turns out his name is not pronounced Godeker, and Peter Sagal's been mispronouncing it for years. Aww. I know, isn't that sad? And now, and I, what is, you might say, the correct pronunciation? I don't know. It was a while ago. <laughs> That's a great story. And the moral of the story is... It had a beginning, a middle... If you don't and... get your name right from the start, you never will. Okay. Alright, so uh, what's, what's the premise? I what's just, the premise of the show? I just read it. Oh, that's right. It was in my beautiful so, poem. You didn't oh, even, I, I'm sorry. I was in the other room. You um, know my poem about... I like your poem. It was about... It I forgot be, that it had a point. What's a classic children's book we decided to right, look right, right. and see which of them are great. We decided okay, no, what's a good children's book. That was all there. Yeah. That was all there. I, I apologize profusely. Yeah. I, uh, hmm. I, I'm sorry. No, you don't understand. I have a script here and it says premise. And so I... <laughs> you... You went off me script. It doesn't say Kate Limerick. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't deal with this. I have to do what the script says. Because I get very confused very easily. I like to throw you off. This is going to be my goal now. Every episode, I'm just going to see if I can throw you off your You script. know, it literally says insert banter here. It <laughs> oh actually gosh. says that. It actually says that. Um, oh, no, actually. I, and then it says, but today we have no time. I'm sorry, we have no time. Oh, good. No time for bantering. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so quit quit all that yeah. because we have reader mail. Reader mail. Okay, I wasn't sure where to go from that. There's a reason I didn't do jazz. You did jazz, right? Yeah. Jazz piano, right? I did. You're a pianist. Um, 
We're going to use that someday. You'll see. You said penis. <laughs> it's that kind of show. <laughs> all right. Reader mail. Uh, first of all, for the first time ever, uh, we have someone who correctly got an answer to one of my quiz questions uh, that does not involve a prize. You might say, Betsy, you already sold, sent those prizes in the mail, right? To the people who won? And uh, I'm I'm gonna ignore that question. We're gonna we're gonna go on to this person <laughs> who um, I've totally I bought the envelopes yesterday. <laughs> I, I literally did. I fear the mail. I will do it tomorrow. <laughs> Swear to howdy. Um, so the uh, the question was, how old was John Steptoe uh, when he met the great editor in Ursula or Ursula Nordstrom? Ursula Nordstrom. That's awesome. Um, I'd like to say that Catherine Leahy correctly guessed. Uh, John Steptoe was about 17, 17, 18, uh, when he met her and then produced his first book. So if you feel like uh, you haven't done enough with your life, just remember, uh, he started publishing books when he was 17. So way to go, Catherine. Yay, Catherine! I'm biased. You have an awesome name. She does. <laughs> All right. So we had some feedback on me. The, oh, okay. Good. It's always me. Oh, good. It's never you. <laughs> it makes They're never sense. like, I, I took get... issue with the fact that Kate... I get so liked, nervous. I just want to make the people surfaces. happy. Yeah. No, I don't. So this is delightful. <laughs> um, but this is from a very intelligent woman, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Monica Eninger. Um, because, you remember, I had a problem with, with uh, Mufaro's beautiful daughters in our last podcast. Yes. Uh, be- because I, it's a, just says an African folktale. And yeah. I'm like, well, it doesn't say exactly where it's from. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, well, ha, Monica kind of pointed out, she was like, in Steptoe's note in the front, he writes that it was, quote, inspired by a folktale collected by G.M. Thiel and published in his book, Kafir Folktales. Details of the illustrations were inspired by the ruins of an ancient city found in Zimbabwe and the flora and fauna of the region. The names of the characters are from the Shona language. So I was sort of like, but shouldn't it say it's a Shona or Zimbabwean folktale? And she's like, well, it's not. It was inspired by them. And uh, the subtext, the subtitle is an African tale. It's not an African folktale. Um... And so, and then she mentioned a book called Ostrich and Lark, which is similar. It was a, a folktale sort of, but an original folktale. And so I asked her, like, well, should it even have had this subtitle? And, and she was like, nah. So, um, <laughs> so nah. But we went, we went back and forth on that one. Uh, and, and then she, on her blog, uh, if you go to Educating Alice, to her blog, she's got an amazing, an amazing post on Mufaro's Beautiful Daughter. So if you want to supplement... Uh, what we already spoke about, I highly recommend you go there. And we have one more! We have one more reader mail note! Don't look terrified of me! <laughs> you look so terrified! No, it's good, it's good. This is from uh, listener Gail Bushman. Um, she wrote, quote, Just listened to episode four about Eric Carle's book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. When you talked about a dark and creepy version of the story, I thought I knew what you were talking about, but then you, I ended up very surprised. To that effect, I wanted to let you know about the version that I know of, just in case you weren't aware of it. Uh, this one is much shorter. So this uh, refers to a meme that was going around where you take the first line from any book and you follow it up with the sentence, and then the murders began. <laughs> and so in this case, one sunny Sunday, the caterpillar hatched out of a tiny egg. He was very hungry. And then the murders began. Oh my gosh. It works so well. <laughs> it works so well. And it may work, it may work with today's book as well. So thank you, Gail. Uh, it is a, a delightful. And she points out they cheated because the line is actually on the, 
third sentence and not the second, uh, but it is still fantastically creepy. Um, and folks, if you have feedback and you would like to tell me where I've aired, because apparently my sister does not air. Never. I, she knows everything about chrysalises and cocoons, and she would never get John Stepto's subtitle wrong. I just have my priorities in line. As long as the last page is awesome, you got an A in my book. <laughs> I fudge. That's what I do. I fudge, and then I hope no one notices, and then doggone people notice. Mm. Uh, but if you would like to call me out, because tell, uh, let me tell you, it's fun. It is fun, as Kate will tell you. It's fun. It is fun. <laughs> uh, email us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. Which brings us to today's book. I'm very excited about today's book. Uh, today's book, I, I had a, sort of, I, I thought about doing a straight out Caldecott award winner, because we've been doing some honors. Mm -hmm. You've never seen the gold on the cover. And then uh, this book was in my house, and I wanted to do it instead. Because I have a whole shtick with it. So we're going with the book with a shtick. Um, Does it have a gold thingy? There is nothing on this cover. Nothing. It has won nothing. <laughs> so, no one has ever rewarded it for anything. But it, you, you, it could be a classic. Oh, it's famous, my friend. I didn't say it wasn't famous. And I'm going to reach down here and my voice is going to disappear for a second. All right, ready? Drum roll, please. No. Read it. What's the title? Are You My Mother? Bye. P.D. Eastman. That's right. The Alison Bechdel book, Are You My Mother? About her fraught relationship with her mother. No! The P.D. Eastman book, Are You My Mother? Um, though we do love the Alison Bechdel book as well. Uh, yes. Have you ever read Are You My Mother? Uh, no. I recognize the cover. Yeah, it's famous And I cover. totally thought it was made by Dr. Seuss. Oh, we're going to get into that. Because it's the, the Ken the Hep guy in the front. Yeah, I know. I know. And... Uh, I am, I'm sort of the one-woman P.D. Eastman fan club, uh, official member. You'll see my badge. Okay. And uh, the fact that he is... Now, and remember, Dr. Seuss... Dr. Seuss was not his only pseudonym. His name was, of course, Theodore Geisel. Um, and Wait, he, so it is him? No! Oh. But he did lots that looked like this. So oh. it would be understandable that you would think that this was just one of his... Because the, the art style is not too far off from his own. Yeah. I, um, but I have read so many P.D. Eastmans in the last, oh, I'm going to say year, that uh, there is no way I would confuse the two. So this is, uh, this is not a picture book per se. This is an easy book. So this is a book, it, it's a very specific format size, smaller than a, than a book that's a picture book. Um, they fit on the shelves very well next to one another. And uh, have simple words. Uh, as you can see, the misleading cat in the hat in the corner says, I can read it all by myself. So, Kate, y you can read this all by yourself. I can? You can. You oh, can. Man. Leave the room. You can read that by yourself. You don't need me. While Kate is reading the book, it's time for this week's quiz question. What do you win? Nothing. You win nothing. Um, because as was mentioned before, I'm terrible with the mail. I am so sending those last things, I promise. So, if you would like me to read your name on our podcast, answer this very simple question. What does the P and the D stand for in the name P.D. Eastman? Yeah, you're gonna have to look that up. Because very few people know the answer to this. I didn't know the answer to this. And we're back. 
And you read it. I did. All right. All by myself. All by yourself. <laughs> Simple words, not many syllables. Yeah. Except the occasional snort. Um, but you know what? Our dear listeners don't even know what this book's about. Well, I'm sure some do. Nobody does. Okay, no, okay, no one knows. No one's Jeez. heard of it before. <laughs> the premise of the podcast is dead. Um, so I need you to read the premise. Miss mm-hmm. Pirate. Seriously. Look, pirates are my favorite voices. I love to do them. It's basically Irish or Scottish with a lot more R's in them. So... You know what the favorite letter of the alphabet is to a pirate, don't you? What's it? What do you think it is? Is it X? No. Is it R? No, it's the C. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Nice. All right. I liked it. (laughs) All right, so the top there. (laughs) It's basically the Wikipedia um, version, but I put in a couple me's. A hatchling bird's mother be thinking her egg will stay in the nest and leaves her egg alone, flying off to find some grub. The baby chick hatches but fails to comprehend where his mother be, so he goes on on a mighty adventure. He asks a kitten, a hen, a dog, and a cow if they be his mother. They each say nay. Then he sees an old car, a boat, and a plane, and at long last convinced he has found his mother. He climbs onto the teeth of an enormous power shovel. A loud snort belches from his exhaust act, prompting the bird to utter, You are not my mother, you are a snort. But as it shudders and grinds into motion, he cannot escape the inescapable jaws of death. At a climatic moment, his faith is suddenly reversed. The shovel drops him back in his nest, just as his mother is returning home, and the two are united as the baby bird recounts to his mother the adventure and who she, in fact, may be. Woo! Look at you! Reading the crazy words I wrote so well. (laughs) Well done, madam. (laughs) Thanks. What'd you think? Um, This is a classic. This is a classic-y classic. First of all, Mm. I don't understand why the cover of the book says 50th anniversary party edition. Because it's shiny. They did this with a bunch of easy books. They made them slightly shiny, and then they called them the party edition. And did we buy them? Yes, we did. Because really? they're That's the it? party edition. It's a party book because of I the should have gotten you the cover? other go the, go dog go also by P.T. Eastman actually ends with the craziest party of all time. That would make more sense to have the party edition. There is no party in this book. No party. No, no not yeah. even not even a a hint. There's no balloons. There's no color in this book. Yeah, it's kind of depressing. Oh, I have a theory with that, but um, we'll let you talk first. Uh, also, it, it kind of um, reminds me of um, hearing stories of children who are trying to find, who have been adopted and then trying to find their birth mother. I once saw a play where it was three different grown children and all at the same time they descend upon this woman who was just, you know, giving birth and giving away kids for money. And they all descend to meet her at the same time. And it ends with one of them just basically reciting from memory the entire text of this book. Which at the time I was like, is that illegal? I'm thinking copyright would have something to say about that. But, But yeah, it was... 
It's, okay. So yes, you so, are not off at all. That you are not even the first person to associate that. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised the bird didn't die when it fell out of the tree. Yeah, that's a little weird. Apparently, baby birds um, made her stronger stuff than than we thought. Those little bird bones. Because it even says it like fell really far down. Yeah, it was and, really far down, uh, and then it's just like boop 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 boop. The bird's like, I'm good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can attest. I've seen baby birds that have fallen out of their nest. They don't do so hot. Yeah. They also don't have that many feathers, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it. I, you know, you feel for the bird and how naive it is. Yes. Um, you know, looking at planes and boats and hens and all sorts of things that are obviously not a bird. Well, the um, hen's a bird. Well. The hen was actually a pretty good guess on the, the birds. could have could have been bird She could have just, you know, but, said sure. Okay, I gotta tell you, though, mm-hmm. the hen freaks me out. Why the is the hen freak? The hen, the, hen, the hen freaks you out. Yeah, because the hen has eyes like a goldfish. Well, don't hens have gold? I, I mean, hens have eyes on... Do hens have eyes on either side of their head? Just look at the eyes on that hen. Yeah. It, it's like it never blinks. It's the freakiest hen. Do you hen. think it's a robotic hen? I wouldn't say robotic, but... Definitely not of this world. <laughs> but they do, right? Don't they have, like... Well, no, but they're not chameleons. They can't just, like... They're not horses. They can't not see forward. I don't know. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that hen, I was like, whoa. Okay, so the hen. That's a scary hen. Well, you know what? If I'm going to take that scary or the hen. last page being weird, I'm going to go with the hen. That's the, okay with me. The last page I thought was beautifully drawn. Yay! Um, well done, Mr. Eastman. Um, you but... can draw! Other than that, and, you know, it was sweet that, you know, it calls the uh, the crane there a snort. Yes. Um, you know, and you feel for the bird, and it's... But there's a happy ending. But there's a happy ending, and it's it's very cute, and... But, uh, where's, uh, where's Papa Bird? Papa ain't part of the picture. There ain't no Papa. Okay. We don't know what happened to Papa. That's a whole different can of fish. So, uh... Yeah, so when I did a poll of the top picture books of all time in 2012, uh, this came at number 45 out of 100. Wow. Um, which is a fair showing, I would say. So why would people read this to their kids? They do. Why? Um, because it rhymes? No, it doesn't <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> it does not rhyme because it doesn't rhyme and we're sick of rhymes. Rhymes are boring. Yeah, it, does, um, it doesn't rhyme. So why no. do parents feel compelled to read this to their kid? There's something very, it's got a read aloud, a beauty to its read aloudness. I don't know what it is, but something about the language. Yeah, give me that. Give me that thing. <laughs> give me that thing. Look, it's just like. <sighs> so a mother bird sat on her egg. The egg jumped. Oh, oh, said the mother bird. My baby will be here. He will want to eat. I must get something for my baby bird to eat, she said. I will be back. So away she went. So it's very like yeah, you can up do a down. lot. You can do a lot with it. You can play with it vocally. You can yeah, and it. But it's also an easy book. I mean, its intention in life was just for kids learning to read and who didn't want Dick and Jane, right? This is our first easy book. This is a this is a momentous day, and it's funny that I went with this one and not. It's better known. Well, I don't know. It's better known, but it. Uh, yeah, the Bowsley better known. The better known book, Go Dog Go, um, which is uh. A fever dream of a drug-crazed crazy person uh, compared to this. Now, um, P.D. Eastman is cursed, as I may have mentioned, to always be thought of as Dr. Seuss. If you asked the average person on the street who wrote Are You My Mother? I sus- In America, I suspect most people would be like, 
Dr. Seuss. And it was not Dr. Seuss. Um, Mr. Peavy, I'm going to give you a little, a little context. Three, two, one. Context. Um, he started out, Mr. Eastman, as a Disney animator. Then World War II came along, and he started doing, quote, picture planning for animated sequences in orientation and training films. And who was the head of his unit? Give a guess. Uh, Geisel? Yes, it was! Ted Geisel! And so Eastman went on to create uh, Mr. Magoo. Remember Mr. Magoo? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Yeah, he created Mr. Magoo. Oh. Huh. Uh, started freelancing. Geisel approached him about this beginner book series, which is what this is. That's why there's Mr. Cat in the Hat all over this. It was started by Mr. Geisel, who kind of came up with the whole idea. Hmm. And uh, a career was born starting with not this book, but Sam and the Firefly, which is kind of amazing because it's in many ways his most beautiful book. Um, so this is one of the more famous ones, and I should note that my brother-in-law, Steve, has uh, crazy theories when it comes to P.D. Eastman books. Um, this and Go Dog Go. He's got some wackadoodle theories that are so crazy, they work. You want to hear the theory for this one? Okay. I've never heard anyone come up with this theory before. Okay, remember how we were talking about how it's, like, colorless? Yeah. It's brown. Yeah. There's a lot of brown. Browns, yellows, and then there's some red. With you see the, no uh... people. Right. Right. You see you see things moving, like planes and stuff. Yeah. You see one tree in the entire landscape, and that's the tree that the bird was in. Uh-huh. And if the brown leaves are any indication, it's not doing so hot. Uh-huh. This is a post-apocalyptic landscape. This is Mad Max territory we're dealing with here. Humans are gone. Machines are sentient. And all we have left are a handful of animals and this bird and very kindly snorts. I mean, look at, look, I mean, for evidence, I give you this car, which uh, he walks by this completely dilapidated, destroyed, something bad But look here. at the style of that car. That's not a modern or even remotely modern car. That's a car from the Maybe 1920s. Maybe this takes place in Cuba. We don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I do know. This could be in Cuba. This could be a post-apocalyptic Cuba. With, um, with canals. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's just, there's no life here. It is so creepy how you see no humans at any point. You just see machines working. Kindly, steam shovel machines, but... Machines. You'll never read the book the same way again. Great. Yay! <laughs> or we could go another route with never reading the book the same way again. Remember, uh... Remember Miss Mallory Ortberg and children's books made horrific? Yes. Well, she did this one. <laughs> Oh my god. But she did not go the post-apocalyptic route, which I would have assumed was unnatural. Uh, she went an entirely different route. And I have a little selection here I'd like you to read, madam. Um, and it's... It only really gives you a taste of, of the darkness to come, I'm going to say. Um, we're going to pick up midstream. I, I cut out the beginning because the beginning, we all know the beginning, and the beginning is, is, is the same as in the easy book. So, starting, boop boop, right there. The kitten was not his mother. The hen was not his mother. So the baby bird went on. I have to find my mother, he said. But where? Where is she? Where could she be? 
Then he came to a dog. Are you my mother? He said to the dog. The dog held her breath. A very old hunger that she thought had died stirred in her throat. This isn't right. This isn't fair, the dog thought. You can't. You can't. He doesn't know any better, the dog argued with herself. He thought the kitten was his mother. She left him. She left. She left. She left. Christ, this isn't fair that I can't have any and she would leave the one she has. The dog would have to admit, if she was going to be honest with herself, that it was less likely that the bird's mother had left forever than just happened to not be around when the egg hatched and would be coming back soon. But the dog was not particularly interested in being honest with herself that day. She wanted to be his mother so badly that she could almost convince herself that she was. Yes, the dog said after a minute. I am your mother. Oh, the little bird said after a minute. He didn't seem to disbelieve her exactly. He was simply taking it all in. No one had ever lied to him before. I am your mother, and I was so worried when I couldn't find you. Come here and sit down right next to me, and I will tidy your feathers for you. All right, the little bird said, and he hopped over next to her, and she wept a little in relief and gratitude. Why are you crying, mother? he asked, and her chest ached to hear the word. I am crying because I am so glad that you have come back home to me, she said. Now he had been lied to twice. Oh, it's so dark. <laughs> it's so dark. So sad. It's so sad. That's why I love these so much. Is Ugh, that's heartbreaking. Isn't it? These are children's books made horrific. It's, she doesn't lie about it. I don't it. think it's horrific. It is. It's emotionally horrific. It doesn't have to be like a horror film. It's just, I mean, this book is about the search for a mother, and what she does so beautifully there is she turns it on its head and makes it into someone so desperate to be a mother that she would steal another mother's child. Which happens. Oh, which happens. And it is, it is remarkably well done. Oh, that Mallory artwork. I, I salute you, madam. Now I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> We'll read this adorable book in its post-apocalyptic setting and feel better. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> so it's sort of unfair to me for us to uh, to talk ratings at this point. And it's funny because we I feel like we've we've discussed not much about the book itself, but it because it's an easy book, the language is so simple, mm-hmm. and the pictures are so simple. Mm-hmm. There's really not much more to pick apart about that one. Yeah. And that's the problem with doing easy books. You know, when I originally did my 100 picture books poll, I didn't allow easy books. And I was like, no, only picture books. Easy books may not apply. And of course, people did not read the rules and they sent me in Frog and Toad and Cat in the Hat and, you know, Elephant and Piggy and all these books. And I was like, so the second time I did the poll, like two years later, I was like, fine, 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 fine. Okay, we're going to do... Easy books, too. And so this came in pretty high um, out of all the easy books in the world. It was not the highest easy book, but it did very well for itself. And you, as you said, the cover is familiar, but was the title familiar, too? Are you my mother? No. Interesting. Okay. So the cover is more familiar than the title. Yep. 
Okay. Well, but that's because I'm more of a visual person. Like, yeah. I see yeah. pictures more than I see words. So. And it's it you can't copyright a title. And as I mentioned before, Alison Bechdel used it for her graphic novel memoir. So, there you go. All right, ratings time. Um, right, so in terms of classics, with one being no. Oh, oh Lord, no. And ten being this should be read by children for generations of all time, as the great Walter de la Mer said, only the rarest kind of best is good enough for our children. Um, where would you place this? Uh, I don't really know. I, I'm still caught up on that. <laughs> I ruined you <laughs> with the... With the remarkably well-written, um, you know, if it had even been written poorly, you would not be as emotionally invested in it. Yeah. Um, you should read the whole thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I would just cry. Which, yes, you, oh, it, it gets worse. That's not even, Ugh. that's not even as bad as it gets. It uh, gets I imagine the bird so... dies and that the no, dog... No, 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 the bird is fine. Okay, fine, spoiler alert for anyone who wants to read. Um... The mother bird she sees for years just flying overhead, searching for her child, which she never finds. Oh and the bird gosh. never learns to fly because the dog can't teach it, but it never questions that this is its mother. Oh, it's a hole. Oh, it's my a heart hole. hurts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but going back to the original, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I originally asked why do parents read this to their kids because I just don't really understand. Because if you're a parent it offers comfort to the child that they will always find their parent. Even if, say, you get lost in a... I was going to say shopping mall because I grew up in the 80s when there were shopping malls. I'm sorry. I'll retract that. <laughs> there's, um, there's still shopping malls. Yeah, not the same way. Kids don't go to the mall. There's no mall rats. Mall rats are... Now gone. I just have that song from How I Met Your Mother... That she sings. The... <gasps> Let's all go to the mall. Today. <laughs> Robin Sparkles. Awesome. Um, I didn't even watch that show. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm just not... Uh, uh, God, look at this hen with the freaky eyes. Really, it's a hen that gets it for you. I can't. At least the cow has eyelashes and an eyelids. And well, this... Cows do have eyelashes. Yeah. Cows don't have eyelashes. Hens don't have goldfish eyes. Sure they do. No. You ever looked at a hen? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a hen on my phone right now. Hens most certainly do have goldfish eyes. Why is this show always about biology? <laughs> I'm terrible <laughs> at biology. Why am I even fighting this? This is not a wise way to go, Betsy. Chicken eyes. Here we go. Chicken eyes. Hen. All right. It's a hen. Y yes. Let's it's, be specific now. Look. Look, that's what they look like. Yeah, they have lids. Well, yeah, they have lids. This, there's no lid. Well, maybe her, she's really surprised by that piece of grain she just saw on the ground. Also, <laughs> she just had a baby bird asking if he was her mother, and she said no. So maybe she's still, like, in shock from that even happening. The mother bird at least has eyebrows. Well, the mother bird is very expressive. She's, yeah. For whatever reason, he always made his mother birds look like that with the and with the with kerchief, the the, yes. uh, the 1950s kerchief around the head. She's because like, God forbid, she's like a babushka. It is a babushka bird, um, which would be a more interesting title. Uh, yes. So ratings, you are not you are not rating this very quickly, madam. This is the slowest rating you have ever produced. Because I don't I. 
it's number, what, 44 on your list, and parents read this to their kids? Number 45. 45, whatever. I don't, but I just don't under, I don't get it. I don't get why this is a party book. (laughs) (laughs) It's a party edition. One would go to a party. I'm sure, you know what it probably means? Because people give children's books at birthday parties all the time. That's, mm-hmm. like, a huge part of the industry. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this is meant to be given at a birthday party. And that is... Maybe that is why they said party edition. I'm gonna go down the line here. I'm gonna say a five. I don't love it. I don't hate it. You know it. what? I'm not going to challenge you on that. Because it's not my favorite P.D. Eastman. Um, it's a little unfair for me to even bring it here when my favorite P.D. Eastman is actually Go Dog Go. Or Sam and the Firefly. I'm torn. Um... Or Robert the Rose Horse. But this is not this is not my top P.D. Eastman. So I'm actually going six. I'm actually going six. Because, yes, he was a great artist. But he did not use his full color palette. Um, I'm sure it saved the publisher much money. Uh, to include as much brown as it does. But he doesn't use his full color palette. Um, the story, yes, it's reassuring in a mildly creepy way. I do appreciate that the snort uh, turns out to be a good guy. I think there's something worth worthwhile in that don't believe appearances, you know, even scary looking steam powered machines can be good too. Like don't judge a book by its cover? Um, this cover's very shiny, so <laughs> I'm not judging it by that. Yeah, because boy, talk about like, let's say you've never seen this book before and you pick up this shiny almost iridescent blue cover and you open it up and you see just that brown that landscape the cover has more color than than the whole than the entire book yeah yeah you well to be fair though they don't they didn't like colorize the title page like that title page is the brownest lots of sepia tones there's a whole yeah and you know i always say kids can't stand sepia if you have sepia on a cover kid will go out of their way to avoid that book but they didn't put sepia on the cover they didn't actually in the original either. The original cover was blue. Um, it was not shiny blue, but it was blue. It also kind of looks like it's partly, like, pencil, and then partly there's, like, watercolor with the smoke of Yeah. The... Isn't that pretty? It's, like, different art techniques, which yeah. I can appreciate. No, he's a very talented artist. I love P.D. Eastman's books. But I, I don't... But this I, is not his top. Yeah. This is not his tippy top. And so, someday, my child, we will, we will find his tippy top. So if I'm saying this is a five and you're saying this is a six... Are it's we still calling, above five. Are we calling this a classic? Well, if we consider that anything a classic is between five and ten, this comes at an average of 5.5, so yes, it barely squeaks under the classic door. Uh, all right, so this is a barely squeaking by classic. All right. All right. Lift our glass to the barely squeaking by classic of Are You My Mother? By P.D. Eastman. All right. Grown-up things we like. Grown-up things we like. We like many things because we are grown-ups in actuality. Sort of. I am. Maybe not you. Okay. Hey. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I want to begin because I, I never... Yeah. I always, I always uh, defer to you. And this week I have a good one. Um, I just saw the film The Big Sick. Uh, uh, it's a good film. Film. Now, it, I had um, heard it promoted on many of the podcasts I like, like Pop Culture Happy Hour and uh, other things that NPR has connections to. 
And uh, it's uh, stars, uh, and I'm, I may butcher the poor man's name, but Kumail Nanjiani. Um, star, it's actually based on a true story from his own life. Um, there was a whole New Yorker article about it, um, which may have been a talk of a town piece, but I think it was an article, uh, where he is, I believe, um, Pakistani. And he and his family moved here when he was a kid. Uh, he grew up here. He's a stand-up comic. Um, he was dating this girl. Uh, she was white. She had an accident um, and went into a medically induced coma. And he sort of stuck by her through it. And this is sort of their story, fictionalized slightly um, for the screen. It is great. It has great actors. It has great chemistry between uh, himself uh, and you know, the other people who are in the film. And uh, in the greatest surprise, I really love that her parents are played by Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. Um, fair play to Ray Romano, a man I was more than willing to write off. He just sort of plays this, like, schlubby, nerdy dad, and he does such a good job with it. You get so fond of him. And also, just seeing him paired with that little spitfire of Holly Hunter, who has not calmed down an inch since <laughs> raising Arizona. She and There's a scene where she, like, basically just wants to deck a guy and has to be carried off. And, and just to see the two, like, just even by the size difference, it's just delightful seeing them together. So the whole thing is a delight. The ultimate compliment, our mother would love this film. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> and have you seen it? I have not. Okay, seen... I highly recommend it. You should see it. It is a really good... And here's how you know it's a good romantic comedy. You have to sit through all these trailers for the worst-looking romantic comedies of all time. Like, if you see it in the theater right now, oh my goodness, they look terrible. And then you watch this really good film. So, highly recommend it. Cool. Well, my, uh, my grown-up thing is a nod to the city of Cleveland, Ohio, Ooh. where I was this weekend, mm -hmm. and I, I'm going to call out three, four, four things. Nice. The Cleveland fast. listeners will be very pleased. Yeah. I Proceed. Had, I had never been, uh, so this is my I first... I had never been either, yeah. This was my first time, but our, uh, I don't know what you're calling him this week, the, the... Sound HD tech. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking about our sous chef and SVP of business development? <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. He uh, he worked on uh, something for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a new uh, concert experience called the Power of Rock, where it's essentially like a 10 minute concert that you get to watch all these. Um, awesome performances that have been done at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You get the concert experience with the lights and the smoke and the seats vibrate, and it's a very cool experience without having to be at a concert. Are there holograms? There's no holograms. Okay. okay. Let the holograms go. No, no, I really want more holograms. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I saw that. Uh, so Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, cool. awesome. Then um, right near there, about like a 10-minute walk away, is the world's largest... Uh, rubber stamp. It's a thing that exists that the world needs, and now it has in Cleveland. Um, and it says free on it. So So did you take it? It said it was free? Uh, nope, nope. It's oh. a little, little too big to fit on the carry-on bag. Ah, so. Who wants to pay the fee yep. to check it? That's 25 bucks. I'm not yeah, I'm that. not doing that. 
And I'm not made of money. But yeah. another place that was, speaking of free, mm. the Cleveland Museum of Art. Ooh, that's free? That's free. Good for them. And it's very cool. Like, when you first go in, they have this whole exhibit that's all tech. Um, so you get to look at, you can, um, you can paint uh, using, like, this essentially like a giant iPad. You can pretend like you're uh, sculpting a vase um, by hovering your hands over this... Um, this plate that can detect your hand motions and it can display it on a screen and it's all like technologically technologically advanced and it's very cool and then throughout the museum you can just put your iPhone um, on a on a little stand yeah. and it tells you all sorts of interesting facts about what it is that you're looking at. So you can get an audio tour through your own phone without You can do that too. An app or... And and all the art you can just go straight onto your phone. So you can like, you know, look at the art on your phone whenever you want, not just while you're in the museum. Uh-huh. Um and they have the thinker there. He's just chilling outside. Um yeah, so that was very cool and then finally right before we went to the airport, we had to go to the A Christmas Story house. I saw the pictures. It was the highlight of my life. I've seen (laughs) it in the special features of A Christmas Story. I'm telling you, it is... For If you grew up watching A Christmas Story... Did you? I did. Because I didn't. I did. How did you? I don't know. I did, though. Aren't we related? Well... Somehow you managed to get to see it. I did not. But yeah. All right, it because it played twenty four seven on Christmas on TBS. Yeah. Yes, I know. Yes, and I know. It's, oh my gosh, it's amazing! And you guys see the leg lamp. Oh, oh it, not, it's a major award. It's a well. I learned the whole story about this this guy who who was in uh, uh, the army. I think it was the army, and mm-hmm. that he was supposed to get this award and never did. And his parents like made him this leg lamp because he liked that movie so they made him a leg lamp and sent it to him and all the guys on the base were like super interested in this leg lamp and he's like no you guys don't understand this is a major award like this is and he was serious and so he started this company the is it called it's a major Award? it's called like the red rider leg lamp company and he is that same guy also bought the actual house, which wow. was, it was going on sale for like $99,000. He bought it for, he offered 150000 Wow. And it was in complete shambles. It, he had to gut it all the way down to the studs. He put in like all the, you know, the fixtures Good and the moving. Him. And you can and go. It's in Cleveland? Yep. And you can go through the house. You can pick up the bowling ball. You can pick up the leg lamp. You can pick up the phone and hear the neighbors screaming on the end. Aww. You can put soap in can your you mouth. You put soap in your mouth. I was, was going to say. Uh, can you hide under the sink? Yes, I did. Oh, you I hid. I hid under the sink. It was. That's so cool. It's so. That was. Yes. So. Can those, you try to repair the furnace? Because that's a big part, as I recall. Uh, no. You can't. Oh, okay. You can't repair the furnace. Can't repair the furnace. Can you? Can you say the word fudge? Yes, and they Good. sell candles that are called oh fudge. Uh, oh, okay. Yes, and they that smell is delicious. delightful. I almost wish you'd save that for our Christmas episode, but that's okay. Uh, we can we can have like a moment and like back to. You're seeing all that. Well, so, that yeah. is, that Cheers is to Cleveland, Ohio. Thanks Yay, for having Cleveland cool stuff. Cleveland rocks. Yeah. Hooray. Well, that is awesome. All right. Well, that's a that's a long and short of it, my friend. Cool. We're we're done right. with this with this episode. So, I would like to thank all of you for listening, and uh, be sure to come to our next one. Bye.
Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8, that's Fuse and 8, E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givens Kime, and our sous chef and SVP of business development is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal. <laughs>